you may be wondering, and I wondered this the same thing. Pastor, if we're going to go through 12 minor prophets, all of them deal with sin and repentance. Is that all we're going to talk about every week? Well, by God, until we get to the place that we have nothing left to repent of, we'll talk about it. Amen? Because there are some awesome, awesome lessons to be gathered in these small books. And remember what we said, minor, not because they're insignificant, just because they're short. So the prophets... Um, really are important to us. Like other prophets, he announces God's judgment that's coming to confront Israel's sin. But there's something important to consider. It meant something to them then, and it still means something to us now. I want you, as a believer, to learn, if you don't already, to learn to appreciate God's word. There are times, and you've been guilty of it, I have too, that we've come across a page in scripture and thought, well, what does this mean? This doesn't mean anything for my life. Flip the page. But to have a true appreciation for scripture means that you will want to learn more about it and more of what's in it. Amen? So in Joel chapter 1 and 2, Joel focuses on something that's a phrase found throughout scripture called the day of the Lord. It's a key theme that happens throughout the prophets and it describes in good detail events in the past when God appeared to save his people, but also times in the future when God will save his people. I want you to think about it like this. The, the um, plagues that happened in the book of Exodus, I want you to think about those as we start to look at what Joel says in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, Joel says this, The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders, and give ear all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. What the cutting locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the swarming or the the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. His description in this passage should make us think about the plague that was sent on the nation of Egypt way back in the book of Exodus. Here's the significant difference in detail. This plague of locusts is not against a warring nation, but it is against Israel, the people of God, and sent to them by God himself. If you're reading with some understanding and with your heart open as you go through the minor prophets, you'll begin to understand there are different dynamics to a relationship with God that don't just involve us talking about his love and grace. There are some deeper dynamics that we've got to understand about who God is that are driven by his love and grace, but he's calling to us in the circumstances of our life. So Joel then calls on the elders and the priests to lead the people in repentance and prayer. And Joel actually participates. Look at what verse 14 says. He says, Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. 
gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Then chapter 2 has the same sort of poetry and the same sort of flow, but Joel begins to announce another day of the Lord that's coming in the future, an imminent disaster that's approaching to the city of Israel, or to the city of Jerusalem, rather. And he begins describing another wave of locusts, and he uses some really interesting language, talking about them being the size of men and giving some military language and aspects to it. Uh, Basically comparing them to soldiers who are marching through and destroying everything in their path. Look at what verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2 says. It says, blow a trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm on my holy mountain. If you're kind of lost in the mix there, Jerusalem has several different names or monikers given to it. Zion is one of those. It says, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness, there is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them through the years of all generations." He says the sun and the moon are going to go dark, not because they're going to lose their light, but because there's so many coming that you will not be able to see the light. And Joel says something in verse 11 that's important for us to see. He says, for the day of the Lord is great and awesome. Who can endure it? So he calls on the people again to pray and repent. Here's the idea Not just to be saved from the trouble that's on its way, but to get right with the God who is authorizing the trouble that's coming. I heard an old preacher one time, and it's been said many, many times since then. When we preach in a church about the cross of Christ and salvation, it is not meant to be simply fire insurance. Can I get an amen? It's, that's how we treat it sometimes as believers, but it's not meant as a fire insurance policy. It's meant so that we understand we were created on purpose, that God has a design for our lives, and that he loves us with an unending love and desires to have a relationship with us, not just one moment at an altar, but for the remainder of our eternal lives. This is a powerful thing to consider. It's not simply just fire insurance. Look at what Joel says in chapter 2, verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. I don't know that any of us are currently in the midst of a fast. If you are, don't raise your hand for this because I don't want to ruin your blessing, but how many of you have ever fasted a meal or meals intentionally before because you were seeking God's help? Amen? Joel is telling them they've got to do something different now in order to demonstrate that a changed heart is present. Amen? Are you listening this morning? So he says, return to me with all your heart. Go ahead and skip a few meals. It won't hurt. (laughs) 
weep, cry, mourn, ask God for help. And look at what verse 13 says. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and he's merciful. It says that he's slow to anger and he abounds in steadfast love and he will relent over this disaster. In order, he'll, in other words, he'll draw back from sending this upon you. He's gracious and he's merciful. We've heard that verse before. Slow to anger and another version says, and rich in love towards us. Yes, yes, he is. But the first part of that verse we read in verse 12 says, return to me. And then you'll see how rich in love he is. Amen. And how slow to anger he can be. I want you to notice that in verse 13. I've heard messages about it before. I've spoken it before. But having the context of what happened in the Old Testament is really important. When he tells the people, save your coats. You don't have to rip your clothes and put on some ugly rags and sit there in ashes. What God wants you to do is have your heart torn. He wants what's on the inside. Maybe you're like me and you've received at some point an empty or incomplete apology. Have you ever had one of those happen? I know I've gotten them from shorter people from me who might live in my house. Um, An apology that's kind of empty. It's insignificant because it's not really all about trying to repair the relationship as much as it's a sorrow that they got caught. Now you've received one of those. If you're honest, you've given one too. Can I get a, can I get a hand up? Yeah, a couple of us. All right. There are two types of apologies. I think I've figured this out. I think I could write a book on this. There's probably a hundred of them really. But the other one, the significant one, is something that goes far deeper than just something that you say words that you think are needed, but it's something that means something because you can see a demonstrative difference after the fact. I'm sorry I slapped you in the face intentionally. My truest apology will be that I never slap you in the face again. Right? I mean, just to use a crazy, wild scenario. That shows the difference between a, oh yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) No, I'm not. Yes, I am. I'm really sorry because you can see the difference, a tangible difference in behavior. And that's what Joel is getting at with the people of God. This second style of apology is what God is looking for from them then, and he's still looking from you now. We should be sensitive to the Spirit calling us and helping us understand that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart sometimes are not good. They're not pure. They're not clean. We should own up to the things that we have done wrong in order to repair the relationship between us and God. This is what God is looking for and what Joel is encouraging them, not to just be sorry or to try to avoid the punishment or say words to smooth things over, but to truly recognize how wrong they are and demonstrate a difference in the life 
in the future days. This is so, so important. If people do this, the Bible says in Joel that the Lord will have pity on them and something incredible happens. Look at what chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 say. It really, it offers a promise to the people of God which already has been fulfilled but is still being fulfilled today. Look at what it says in verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward, that's after they've repented and God has relented, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I want you to pay attention when you read God's word. Please understand it is not a typo. It says days, plural, not a single day, but days in the future, this will happen. It says, and your young men shall see visions, your male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So Peter references this, and you're in the right place today. If you were wondering, there's a connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament because Peter references this in the message in his address or address to the crowd that day. He is addressing them and he quotes Joel chapter 2 verbatim to the people that are gathered on the day of Pentecost. Look at what Acts chapter 2 verse 16 says. It says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Peter was better than your pastor because he didn't have a sheet of notes in front of him to reference. He called this out. Here's the understanding. This is something significant. It's a side note, but it's worth taking home. He memorized God's word. And he was ready. Look at what it says in verse 16. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men dream dreams. Even on my male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and the vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. That great and magnificent day the fulfillment of what was said by the prophet Joel happens in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and I believe it's still happening today we need to understand God's word does not make errors amen and look at what verse 21 of Acts chapter 2 says and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter had been holding on to that promise. And we today should be holding on to that promise. In fact, the words that Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Joel and even Jesus prophesied were coming true 
They were coming to life that day because God was filling his people with his spirit. In fact, those prophets of old like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Joel and even Jesus said that there will be a moment where God will take his spirit and put it inside of you. That he'll take your heart of stone and give you a new and a pure heart. This can only happen with your permission. He still does this even today. You may not realize this, and I'm sorry if you're a guest today and you didn't know. This might be a surprise to you. We are a Pentecostal church. Not with the long flowing dresses and the bobby pins and the buns, but in the way that we believe Scripture says the Holy Spirit was a gift then, and He's a gift now today. He wants to empower you. He wants to change you. Many of us have sought to change patterns of behavior in our own lives. But God, through his power and his spirit, is the one who's truly capable of helping us to do this. So back to Joel. In the last chapter, in chapter 3, Joel reveals God's response to their genuine repentance. And it's beautiful. God restores all things. Whereas before, and if you read through the short chapters at some point this week, you'll see beforehand there's this thought that the fields are going to be ravaged by pests and they're not going to produce any fruit and the grapes will be dried on the vine and there won't be any wine to make. And all of these things are listed in poetic form that Joel says. And then he lists in chapter 3 all of those things in abundance that God will bring to full restoration. When repentance, true, authentic repentance happens and our hearts are turned to the Lord, I believe that God moves in powerful ways. I've seen him do it in my life. You may have seen him do it in yours. Even if you haven't yet, you can today. Amen? So Joel covers two invasions of locusts. It's a strange book. And the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon the people. But there are some observations and some things that I take besides the little sidebars that I gave you that I want you to consider today as I close. It was a short book to reveal quite a bit of things. But I think the first point that I observe as I studied through the prophet Joel is that not all bad experiences in your life are a result of a fallen world or an external enemy. This has got to be understood that some hardships are authorized by God. Now, it may be hard to decipher or determine which hard things in our life have been authorized by God. And there is a bit of mystery. I can't tell you exactly in your life or even in my own when you're walking through some of the hard things that you walk through, which has been the origin? What, has it been because of your sin or someone else's sin? Has it been because God is trying to get your attention or because God wants to receive glory? I don't know all the answers for your specific thing, but we've got to understand as believers, there is the possibility 
that the hard things that we endure in this life are sometimes authorized by God himself. And this should not uh, undo or unravel your thoughts about the character of God. In fact, it should help you strengthen your understanding of his love for you. I'm going to let you go home and listen to this message again this week and amen loud in your car when you do. Because I think that's really missing sometimes. We can't just be all hyped up on the goody and all the rose petals and all the things and not understand that there's a God who intentionally has purposed to get our attention at some points. And when he does, if we will turn our eyes to him, what a powerful reconnection or a a deepening of our relationship can happen. The second thing to really see and look at in the book of Joel really is, as we talk through some of these things, go ahead and put number two up for me. Authentic repentance is needed. When we look through the, the prophets and we see that cycle that kind of keeps coming up of God sending judgment and the people repenting and then God restoring those who did repent, we've got to be practicing the second style of apology we talked about. And I'll give you a life hack, a tip for your life that will help in your relationships, whether it's with your boss, with your spouse, with your ch- child, with your parent. Practicing that second style of apology is really beneficial in your life. It will help you. We've got to stop being scared of the mere punishment that could come upon us, but truly be grieved in our heart by the actions that we've committed and know that God loves us enough to bring us back to restoration. In fact, God did certain things for you even while you were yet a sinner. You who have spiritual ears and have been to a Sunday school class when you were a child or know what God's word teaches, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says very clearly through the Apostle Paul that even while you were yet sinning, Christ chose to die for you. That's the power of God's love. That's the commitment that he has towards you as his people and that we should, in return, demonstrate. Amen? Amen. And the third observation that I, I look at and see is the Holy Spirit is missing. You say, Pastor, I've heard you say this before. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is missing. There are many benefits Many blessings that are listed in Joel chapter 3, chapter 2, and 3 that talk about financial blessing and physical abundance and healing and health and those things. But in chapter 2 and 3, the chief among those gifts is the presence and the power of God's Spirit dwelling, living inside of His people. I think many Christians today are suffering in their walk with the Lord and maybe even their relationships with others because the Holy Spirit is missing. I believe we in this church have not been filled to abundant overflowing. 
I believe there's still people who fellowship with us who are watching online today or who are here today who have yet to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit as we understand Scripture clearly talks about. We believe that it's still available today and that all believers should seek it, that it's secondary to salvation. Yes, by God's Spirit, you're drawn to come to the knowledge of your sin and the knowledge of a Savior. But after that, there is another moment that the Holy Spirit wants to invade your life. And maybe that's really the key. All of us are resistant to invasion because we have defense mechanisms. I'm going to amen this message in the car this week. I'm telling you. Let me give it to you like this. It's a simple analogy. How many of you... Okay, let me ask you this. How many of you are weird and scrape the icing off of cake? Anybody? Oh, there's a few of you. Bless it. Okay. You do that for several reasons. Some people may do it because they're saving calories. I've had a cake that was like this thick and frosting that was this high that I didn't want all the frosting or the icing. Let me put it to you in plain terms because I know you're getting hungry and we're going to have lunch in a minute. Salvation is the cake and we're missing the frosting of the Holy Spirit. It's secondary. It's extra. It really helps. It makes it amazing altogether. Amen? And so to use that simple analogy, the Holy Spirit is the missing ingredient in many of our lives. And if you have not been filled with the Spirit of God after salvation, there is, it is not a moment that God has been judging you and saying, I'm withholding this great gift from you. It's that you have to obey scripture and continue to seek and continue to knock and continue to ask and say, God, I know this promise is available for me. I know that you want me to have it. God, give it to me. He loves when we ask him for things. He's not bothered at all that you keep coming back to him and ask him again. I would dare say we would make a monumental mistake in our relationship with God if we looked at Joel chapter 2 and 3 and thought, man, the thing we're really headed for instead of eternity in a bad, hot place, instead of a fire of eternity, we're headed to amazing personal prosperity in the here and now. You'd be misguided if you looked at scripture like that. There are side benefits like those things that God wants to bring. But the chief among them is that Holy Spirit. I say that to say, and you say, Pastor, you're really kind of digging at this. If you're filled with the Spirit of God and you consider Celebrate Church your home church, you had better be praying for your pastor to be refilled with the Spirit of God. You had better be praying on a weekly basis for the people that you know in the body of Christ that may be seeking the Holy Spirit. You better not be sitting on your laurels. You better be working for the future. Amen? Because I'm believing that God wants to fill every believer in our church. I don't care what happens in Jackson First and Southside and River of Life and those other local churches. I don't care whether, I mean, I do. I say that just as a joke. But what I really am seeking is that we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I need it. You need it. We need it. Amen? Would you stand with me today?
Worship team, would you come and join me? There are some other observations that you could get out of the book of Joel as you look through and read through. There are some really neat things to consider. But these three points that I shared with you today, I think are, are important for you to consider. And I think there's several people here today that would fit into a couple of these categories. So I'll remind you what they are and allow the Holy Spirit to help you. If it's your first time in our service or your first time watching our service online, we ask the worship team to come back up just to be able to have an encore worship song, but to have a quiet moment where we reflect and where we ask the Holy Spirit, and we've prayed this prayer dozens, if not hundreds of times, and I encourage you to pray it with some fresh vigor today. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Because I can lead you through scripture and I can tell you what it says and what it means, but it's the Holy Spirit who can do a distinct work inside of your heart that may cause words to jump off the page that weren't even mentioned today. But maybe you're here today and you need to repent. Maybe there's sin behavior in your heart. There's attitudes and thoughts that don't please the Lord. Maybe there's behavior that's demonstrated to others that is not going down the right path or driving you in the right direction. Today, I encourage you, as the prophet Joel did, repent and turn to the Lord and see his magnificent love. If that's not you and you say, you know, pastor, I'm in a good spot with the Lord today. I don't have uh, something like that that I can think of right off the top of the head. Then maybe it's that you need to seek the Holy Spirit today. That you need to be filled to overflowing. And we can look through scripture and we've done so in a series on the Holy Spirit. That's not just a one moment thing either. He wants to keep filling you and put more in you because we leak it out. And we need him more and more each day. Your pastor needs a fresh touch from the hand of the master. He needs a fresh infilling of the spirit of God. But what I would just encourage you to do, and I probably should say this at the end of every message that has a challenge like this, but don't put off today what should have been done yesterday. I know those are strong words, but think about that. Because if you put off today what should have been done yesterday, chances are it'll never get done. So the two things, repent or seek the Spirit, that's your call today and whatever else the Holy Spirit adds to it. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus over Celebrate Church. I pray over myself like Joel did in joining those who repented. Father, today we take a moment to repent of our sin and to tell you that we're sorry. God, that we need you. 
we want to repair the relationship between us. And God, we want you to be back in our lives. Lord, we also pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. It's okay that all those other benefits come and that financial blessing or physical blessing or healing come, but God, more than all of those things, I pray that for Celebrate Church, we would be known in our community and known around this region as a church whose people are lit on fire for God, that are filled with the Spirit of God, that have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's not for show, but it's really, truly making a dynamic difference in the lives of their community. God, I pray that you would fill us to overflowing. And God, would you do it again? Lord, for those who are dry and thirsty, Lord, would you fulfill your promise that you shared all throughout Scripture, that you would turn the desert into a a riverbed again, filled to overflowing with fresh life. God, would you pour out your Spirit on us? We pray it today. As the worship team leads us in this last song, Pray, pray to the God who is wooing you today and ask him for his help once again. Jesus, you don't 